Hey folks, and welcome to The Prestige, a very special episode of The Prestige. We are round two uh, of The Prestige Playoff, in which we are going through the top 30-odd films that we've covered over the last three years of the show, and whittling them down to, hopefully, our best film, our favourite film. The line between best and favourite is a blurry one at this point, so we will see where we get to. As always, we are joined by a guest host, Sam and I disagree too much. Uh, we'd be in stalemate on round one if we didn't have a guest host to mediate and to break up any disagreements. So this week we have thrown it open and we've joined in one of my oldest uh, friends. Um, and I think the guy who I literally started podcasting with first time all those years ago. Uh, so Rob, introduce yourself. Hello. Um, my name is Rob Wickings. Um I am, a, well, I, up until comparatively recently, I was a regular podcaster. I've kind of stepped back away from that a little bit. I can be persuaded to be lured out into um, the realm of podcasts every now and again for special people. Only the special will, will hear um, my dulcet tones. We are um, special. You are deeply special. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer. Um uh, you can hear, uh, you can read, um, but if you basically go to Amazon and, and, and search for me, you can find um, the two novels I've written, um, the assorted um, anthologies that I've been a part of. Um, there's one came out quite recently called Twisted Fairy Tales. Um, I, I do a lot of work with um, a group called the Ink Slingers. Um, everything we do, we, we, we it's a complete non-profit. Everything we do, we do for charity. Um, but we do we, we do interesting twists on various things like say um, well, like I say fairy stories. Um, the one before that was tales from a car boot tale, uh, a car boot sale, which um, was great fun. Uh, loads of stuff like that, basically. Um, so that's me, really. And we're happy to have you helping us out with uh, this playoff. Thank you for having me. So we won't delay down any further, guys, and we'll get straight into it. And we'll get into our first round. So our first match beating out uh, Brick from uh, round one uh, is Before Sunrise, going up against the film that outed Silent Running, Harry <laughs> Potter and the Prison of Azkaban. Rob, our guest host, you have the honour of breaking the ice. Which way are you going and why? Um, well, I'm I am a huge fan of Before Sunrise. It's just one of the most gloriously romantic and um, just it's just joyful of movies. Really, it's a it's it's a film about conversation. It's a film about how love can sprout in the most um, unusual of circumstances. It's about um, Things like uh, coincidence, I guess, and just the joy of, of 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 running with the moment. It's the choices we've got. Although I've, I've kind of had a look at the, the the general list of the breakup, and I know these sort of things. You always start off with these really unusual kind of pairings that are going up against each other, and, and I think we're going to come across this an awful lot as we go through um, this particular session. There's a it's really hard to kind of make a judgment call between something like um, Before Sunrise and something like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and there, you know, it's, it's like apples and oranges, really. I'm going to pump for Before Sunrise just because it's such a 
beautiful piece of work, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm anti Harry Potter. It's just that out of the two, given it, I think I think what it comes down to is, is going to be like given the choice between the two, if they're on ITV three or something like that, and you come across them halfway, like, like a half hour into them, which one would you be prepared, be prepared to just kind of leave on? And in this case, it's definitely going to be before sunrise. You see, I I like your ITV two test, and yeah, it's it's made me think think about these two films differently. I think first first answer I would go for Before Sunrise as well. It is a beautifully made film, and it's a film about, let's say, about a conversation and about love and youth and and yeah, I, I really enjoyed the little series that we did on link later films but also and i surprised myself doing this but and i hadn't watched the harry potter films until we did them on the podcast and i never thought i'd be a fan of them but harry potter and the prisoner acts about is great and if they were both to come on sort of halfway half an hour into it on it2 then I'd probably think, oh, I should be watching Before Sunrise. That's the really worthy thing to be watching. I definitely ought to spend time doing that. You know what? I'd rather watch Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm, I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Well, that's one all then. One all. So it falls to me to break the tide. Now, this isn't going to um, be a surprise, given that I voted for one of these films in round one and against one of these films in round, and also in round one. So I'm going to mirror that. I think that... As I said last week, Prison Pan isn't my favourite Harry Potter film, um, let alone my favourite in this matchup. So it's going to go for Before Sunrise. It's like Sam says, I, I'd never seen any of these films before we watched them um, as a um, part of the show. And I went into it with a little bit of, uh, I don't know, false masculinity, some bizarre ideas that rom coms weren't for me because I'm a rough and tough bloke and I like, you know, I like horror movies and I like uh, science fiction, you know, pulpy things. And they blew me away. Um, the tale of the sweet and small, but real, and is in, in many ways so deeply personal, but it's so a wonderfully universal story of that movie um, sticks me to this day. And if we are going to follow the ITV3 test, I wouldn't stick with Azkaban. I'd be like, fair enough, it's on, nothing else is on. But if you give me a choice, I'm, I'm watching, even if I'm, even for half an hour, even if I've only got half an hour to watch something, I'm watching some up before sunrise. So that can take it for me. So that one before sunrise moves on to round three. Yay! Excellent. I am having having voted for Harry Potter. I am not displeased about that. I I'm I'm glad to see you for sunrise go through. It, it is a lovely little film. I mean, I mean, as we said last week when we had Annie on the show, like the, all of these films, these are in our minds the top thirty films we've watched. So the very few films here that I think we'd be unhappy with it going through. Mm. Um, we, we, we like all these movies an awful lot to get this far. Um, and we are killing our darlings a lot. <laughs> I think that's going to be something that's going to happen with, with anything like this. You know, you're going to start with a list of your great movies. You, you, mm. You're going to be losing a lot of very good friends along the way. Yes. Yes. Well, Actually, in all cases, apart from this next one, um, we have 
Dodgers card then, which beats out Zero Duck 30 in the first round. Um, but then up against that, we have, and people know my feelings about this film, um, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, which beat Goodwill Hunting. Um, it, it, one of the this is going to get very confusing. Um, but Rob W, as in the surname, not the middle initial, where would you be going for this? <laughs> um, well, again, it's a really bizarre kind of lineup, isn't it? You've got wildly <laughs> <laughs> different films. Yeah, it completely. The, the 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 pulp fiction thrill ride with with the with the with with the beating heart, quite literally, of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which yeah, I I love it. I, it's endlessly entertaining, and then you've got. Dodeskadem, which are a fascinating choice, I've got to say, guys. I mean, of all the um, Akira Kurosawa films you could have plumped for, you go for, for you, you, you know, it's not Seven Samurai, it's, it's not Ran, it's not Throne of Blood, it's nothing like that. It is this bizarre, sweet, twisted little kind of magical realism tale from Akira Kurosawa that's um it was it was his first film in five years um from not from 65 to 70 he didn't make anything it's his first film in color and it, it, I'm, a, I'm a big Kurosawa fan but this is the one that always sticks with me I, I, I studied it at college we had that we had our first the, my first year of the communication and media production a degree that I proudly own. Um, we did. We went through an awful lot of, of real kind of, sort of sidebars of, of the sort of movies you would not expect to see, and Dodes Caden was one of those. And it's it's one of those those films that you kind of have to stick with a little bit. It's not got any, you know. It's it's not a. I'm trying to think of well, the best way of putting this. Really, it is it is not something that you'd expect from the director of things like Seven Samurai at all. Mm. It feels almost more like something from Fellini or something like that. It's got that kind of strange feel to it. It's all about <laughs> the, 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 it's, it's a cast full of sort of losers and deadbeats and, the, you know, the mentally damaged. But at the same time, it's got this, this, this amazing sense of positivity about it as well. You know, it, it doesn't feel like you're being preached at. Um, you may have noticed that my choice is probably going to be the film that I've talked about <laughs> without pause for the last two and a half minutes. So uh, my pick's going to be Dodeska Den. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in here and, and surprise nobody by absolutely agreeing with Rob there. Um, as I talked about last week, Dodeska Den is one of the films that pushed me towards wanting to be a colourist um, and wanting to get involved in movies. Um, I caught it like BBC two or film four, something like that in my early teens and having obviously seen, having heard of Akira Kurosawa and having seen some of his movies, like you say, it's, it is wildly out of left field for what you expect from the samurai master. Um, but it blew me away and it stuck with me. It stuck with me through all my years training and, and working. And it's, it's, I will bang the drum for this movie every time I get, because I think it is so brilliant and often so not heard of and so overlooked in terms of uh, uh, Kurokawa's kind of filmography. So yeah, I'm, it, it's surprising nobody once again, but I'm going to stick my uh, my um, sword in the sand for those guys then. 
Now, Sam, your feelings against Indiana Jones are well known, so I'm hoping you might join us here, but I'm not sure. It does, doesn't matter at this stage because we've had two votes for him. But, I mean, do I go for the cinematic masterpiece or do I go for the racist claptrap? It's it's always going to be Dodas Cadet every day of the week. That is clean sweep, clean sweep. Clean sweep, three So moving on to um, once again a very odd mix matchup. Uh, seeing out uh, Shirak in round one, we've got the Pixar animation Big Hero Six going up against, in many ways, the Giant Killer. Um, taking out Back to the Future in round one, uh, we've got the film that gave this podcast its name, The Prestige. Sam, I have a, a gut feeling of where you're going here, but I'm intrigued to know if you can firm with that. This, this is a tricky one for me because, again, there's so many bizarre matchups this round, as Rob said already. Um, I, I, I really like them both, and both are films that have stuck with me for different reasons. Uh, prestige awful lot of interesting things to do with cinema and I mean your feelings about Nolan are on record (laughs) but I think we both agree that this is one of his better films and it just it's something that I I think about I'm not saying I think about this film on a daily basis but when when I think about film this is an interesting film from a theoretical point of view having said that Big Hero 6 is just a beautiful piece of animation. Um, And, you see, I don't know. It feels like the prestige is out on its own and Big Hero 6 is sort of an example of a genre. It's interesting new things with animation and it stands for... A film, I suppose, you didn't particularly like, but I thought it was it was quite interesting. Was Inside Out, um, so it it stands for new and interesting things being done with animation. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go against the gut feeling which you had, um, and I'm going to stick with the one that would um, stick with me more, and it's the Prestige. Rob, where do you stand? Um, yeah, this is this is a, this is an interestingly tough choice actually because mm. um, I mean, Big Hero Six is is is, is one of those um, sort of animated movies that kind of snuck past a lot of people. I think it didn't have the best the the, the best of um, releases, um, but I know a lot of people are enormously fond of it. It was something that tried to do something very different try with you have tried to do a bit of an interesting mashup with superheroes and the whole sort of um anime feel and just play around and do something a little bit different with it i'm i am enormously fond of big hero six but then you've got the prestige which is again is a little bit of an outlier in um in christopher nolan's output in in that it is more you know it's 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 it, uh, well for a start. It's, it's based on someone else's um, work, which he's done very little of. You know, he, he tends to work off his original scripts, 
And it's an, an incredibly good adaptation of that work as well. It, it really does give, to my mind at least, a lot of the feeling of um, Christopher Priest's very um, spare prose. It, you know, it, even though it's a, a, cinematically, it's very lush. The storytelling is is is, is very tall and, and and tightly wound and. Um, it's 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 not the most fun watch in the world by any means, but it is it's it's a remarkably clever piece of filmmaking that you know, that talks about you know the notion of <coughs> magic in the everyday and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, it's this this one's a little bit more of a tougher call than I thought, but um, yeah, I'm going to agree with Sam. Okay go with the prestige as you said rob you know if how can you not go with the film that the podcast is named after i want to get in a situation here where my vote doesn't matter but this is an odd one for me because i voted against both of these films in the round one <laughs> um so like i appreciate how it's a hard choice for you guys and it's weirdly a hard choice for me but it's only because i'm not fussed about either of these films overly um they're, they're, they're great um my my feelings on Nolan and his his filmography are well documented. I bet you'll follow me on Twitter. So I uh, will say what Sam says that the prestige is probably the best of his work. Um, but that's still a very low bar to clear for me. Um, <laughs> Big Hero Six, yeah, I think Rob says it. It's stuck on the radar and it hasn't received all the plaudits that some of the other um, Pixar movies have. But it is. It is. Uh, it is. It has something to it. Has has something unusual to it. So whilst it is an empty gesture, I am going to vote for Big Hero Six. Um, I think a it's the only animation left in the round, so I think that's worth it. I think, and I think for me, it felt like it really evoked some real emotion to me. Sam mentioned there that I wasn't a big fan of Inside Out, and I really wasn't. It, mostly because it felt like the first time when watching a Pixar movie, that I could see the puppet strings. Mm. Um, Pixel movies are great at infusing emotion into their movies, into the objects that they present, and you really feel them. And I will, I will go to bat for things like Toy Story, um, and go to bat for movies that they've made over the years. Um, but for me, Inside Out felt like something I saw. I saw all the strings they were pulling on to make a movie um, do what it did. Um, so it didn't really work for me. But this one really did the connection of, of the grief and, and the outpouring of pain that came from that grief and mm. learned to control and deal with that. It was something that I really rated with. So, yeah, it's going to be an empty gesture, but I am going to vote for Big Hero 6 this time around. <laughs> well, you've got to go with your heart, though. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, fair dues. You know, as, as, I, as I said before, it, that one was a tough call. And mm. um, I think if it wasn't, if Big Hero 6 was up against something else, like, it, it's entirely likely I would have gone Big Hero 6 instead. Yeah. 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 I think mean, that's true for a lot of these, uh, uh, lots of the tech matchups here. Um, and I think that's going to be echoed a little bit in this round. So we've got a rematch of the Thuzz, having had one, the Matrix versus the Apartment in round one. Um, the Apartment coming through, um, and Blues Brothers seeing out Clerks. So we now have the Apartment versus the Blues Brothers. I'm going to just stick it out there, guys. I'm voting for Blues Brothers. Um, <laughs> as I said last week, um, it has been my favourite film for 25 years, um, and that isn't changing. 
but I will, even though I'm betting against it, I am going to say The Apartment was brilliant. It was a really, really good film that otherwise I wouldn't have seen if Sam had pushed us to watch it. Um, so the I want to say we talk about the visuals in the apartment are amazing. The shots of the office, the shots of the party, I really, really loved it. Um, but it is going up against against Godzilla there for me. It's going up against the biggest the biggest fish in the fight. Um, so it's going to lose in my mind. But that isn't to be said. I'm going to, I'm going to go through. There are two other people in this in this matchup. Uh, so Rob, where are you falling? Okay, um, I too grew up with the Blues Brothers. It was. Um, way way back in in the golden era where before vhs became a nostalgia slash retro choice when it was the gen- genuinely the only choice for for home viewing um this would probably be 1981 my dad came through the door one day holding a massive ferguson vhs video player one of the ones with the big piano keys and one film and that film was the blues brothers and it's been a very, very strong part of my life ever since. When I was at college, there were regular Blues Brothers parties. There was a Blues Brothers Society. I must have played my vinyl copy of um, Briefcase Full of Blues and the OST of the film um, to absolute death. Um, but I'm sorry, up against the apartment, I can't vote for it. I, I, the apartment is just an absolutely extraordinary piece of filmmaking. It's um, Billy Wilder's finest achievement, and this is Billy Wilder we're talking about. This is one of cinema's great auteurs, and it's it, it, these. Are, some of these are very, very tough choices, but I cannot, in all conscience, vote for. The Blues Brothers, when it's up against something like The Apartment, it just did. It, it, I, I just could not do it in all honesty. So, um, I, I completely about that, honestly. I, I, I feel like I'm going to have to take my pork pie hat off and, and just sort of hold it to my heart for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guys, I'm sorry, but it's it's The Apartment for me for this one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, The trouble is, I know how I feel about this, and Mr. Maythorn's not going to like it. Um, (laughs) It's fine. I I, think, just genuinely, I I think, joking aside, like, I never thought it would be this hard to vote for the Blue Brothers for me. Mm. You know, like, uh, the Blue Brothers is that film for me that wins everything, and. It, I really had pause here. I thought really like the apartment was brilliant. Like, can I vote out the apartment? So don't, don't like, it, it, even for me, it was, it was a hard choice. So I don't, I don't begrudge any choices here. Um, I mean, what needs to be said about the blues resident hasn't been said already. It's just, I mean, it, it almost doesn't need to have a narrative because it's that good. Um, and, I mean, it, she has musical set pieces to die for, and Jake and Elwood are brilliant, and it's a genuinely funny film that, as I suppose, I mean, you, you can tell that it comes out of Aykroyd and Belushi doing um, comedy together because their relationship is what makes it, as we saw in Blues Brothers 2000, um, it doesn't always work. 
it, so it, it is a, a masterpiece, but then it's the apartment, and it. <laughs> hmm. Um, this was one of those that we neither of us knew very much about, um, and we certainly hadn't um, focused on it much at all before we did the episode on it, and it just blew me away. And I think it's possibly the best last line in cinema. And it just, <sighs> yeah, that. I'm sorry, Bob, but I've got to vote against the Blues Brothers, and and it kills me to say. I will take it on the chin, and you know, it's mm. it's a fair winner, you know. And genuinely, it's there's no hard feelings there. If it's going down to anything, Good. I'm glad it's that. Right. So up next, we have um, a film which beat out High Fidelity in the first round, Social Network in the Battle of the Angry White Guys, um, up against The Martian, which, bizarrely, how, how did that happen? Beat Seven what? Samurai. Uh, so, it, it, Mr. Wickings, where would you go for Social Network and The Martian? Well, actually, I really, I, I, I wish I had a choice of high visuality versus Seven Samurai, because that would be a much task. I'll, I'll be frank. I'm, I'm not a great fan of either of these films. Um, Social Network is nowhere near one of Fincher's best. I mean, it's 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 a it's a really interesting character study, but it's a it's a it's a character study of someone that's not really that, not really someone I really wanted to spend that, that mm. amount of time. Um, I love the I love the soundtrack to Social Network, and that's really about all I can say about it. It's it's it just doesn't really. It, it is a cracking soundtrack. Um, equally, The Martian is uh, again. It's it's te- technically it's a wonderful piece of work, and but it does kind of stand or fall on Matt Damon's central performance. And for me, he it, it, it just doesn't. He he doesn't have the gravitas or the or the sheer kind of tenacity that I think the role deserves. Really, I'm a big fan of the book, incidentally, and I don't know that maybe that's half the problem. The astronaut, in the, it, it, the Martian in the book, is not Matt Damon in my head. Um, out of the two. Mm. Purely because of the line, I'm going to science the shit out of this. I'm going to go with the marsh. But (laughs) this one's a kind of under protest vote because honestly, out of the two, neither of them. Can I I vote for high fidelity instead? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no. (laughs) Go on then. Over to the other row. It was me. Uh, it's it's strange because I championed both these films um, in their rounds. So I voted for both of these in round one. And it is having come out of the conversation about the Mar- about the apartment and Blues Brothers. These films do feel weirdly mid tier compared to other films mm. talked about here. So I see what Rob is saying there. That being said, I do really like both these films, and I do think the network is one of Fincher's bests, um, even if Rob doesn't think so. The Martian, like Rob, I'm a big fan of the book. 
Um, and that brought me a lot of goodwill with the movie. Um, and I do, I've always enjoyed, you know, films about a man alone, about a smart person fixing big problems. I've always enjoyed that kind of movie. I, I have read a tolerance for movies about bad people doing bad things or comedies about idiots. And um, my pace then runs short. I always film it for a film about a smart person doing things. Um, and social network, whilst they may be immoral and they may be lacking in basic human empathy, they are smart people doing things. So that both of these fill within that wheelhouse for me. I think it's got to come down to the fact that I think I'm going to vote for social network. Um, I'm going to vote for social network based on the fact that I think as a piece of technical filmmaking, it has some amazing moments. And I, I come back again that the opening five minutes is, is a, is a masterclass of setting score to editing to shots, the way it builds the community in the scene. I think that's wonderful. I think the script is very good from uh, Sorkin, even it's full of Sorkinisms. Um, and I think it's, as Rob says, has a cracking soundtrack. Um, and as much as I enjoy the Martian, I'm not a fan of disco um, and it's a very disco heavy soundtrack. So if I'm being honest, I don't see either of these movies making it through maybe the next round. Um, I don't certainly see it making it to the final four or for maybe the final two. But in the moment, I'm going to vote for Fincher and Social Network. Sam. It's right. I'm breaking a tie, which is a strange situation that I haven't come across before, given that I voted against both of these films the last round. And... It just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Rob. I don't particularly want to vote for either. Um, <laughs> I, I think actually, I mean, there's a lot to like about The Martian, and I mean, I, I haven't read the book, but I'm given to understand that it's fairly faithful to it, and it's, it's a particularly good exponent of hard sci-fi and the example rather than exponent. Um, And if you like Matt Damon, then yeah, and I I can see that it does sort of stand over all that central performance and it is just him a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, I'm going to size the shit out of this is, is a great line. But I did feel a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, and I know uh, I know it's an astronaut and hooray, he's on Mars. And I shouldn't feel underwhelmed by that at all. And it's space travel, great, yeah. But it just didn't feel like the film packed enough punch for me. It compared to something like Gravity, for example, which I I just felt had emotional heft to it. I felt I, I cared more about the characters in Gravity than I did about Matt Damon. Um, I know this is not about Gravity at all. Um, I'm trying to rationalise the fact that I'm about to vote for Social Network, even though I voted against it last round. Um, it, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I I'm swayed by by Rob's um, description of that technically amazing opening to a, to the social network. And yeah, the soundtrack's great. And I'm not a huge Jesse Eisenberg fan, but 
he's done worse things and I don't see that these films going a long way, as Rob said, but of these two, Social Network. Um, yeah. Fair enough. It, okay. Moving on to uh, our next round-up, which is going to go up against Social Network in the next round. We have, once again, wildly different films. <laughs> films of very different ilk and very different uh, um, levels of uh, cultural impact. Um, we have the film which is definitely not a Christmas film um, <laughs> despite what everyone's going to be um, we have Die Hard and this is up against maybe one of the least known films in our top 30, 32 um, The Station Agent um, Sam where do you go? This is tricky because I feel like I would automatically say Die Hard to absolutely anything right up against anything else um, but I have to put that to one side and and think objectively about these two films and station agent is it's it's a it was a really surprising film for me i hadn't seen it before i didn't know anything about it i hadn't seen anything really by peter dinklage before though i'd seen him in as bit parts and other things um i i feel like the the cultural highbrow world that's nodding on and expecting me to say the right thing is expecting me to say the station agent. And, you know, I just, it, if only for the fact that it will keep the conversation about it definitely being a Christmas film going longer, um, I'm going to go for Die Hard. Rob, where, where, where are you going? Right, okay, well, um, I, I cannot believe you voted for Die Hard over alien oh. <laughs> guys really i was i was outvoted there i was outvoted <laughs> believe that oh um, come on bro it's die hard it's alien also i am sick to the absolute back teeth of die hard at this moment <laughs> in time uh, yeah especially this time of year it is just Oh, it's just the profoundly annoying. Uh, and people never ask the right question as well. It's, it, it's always like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or is Die Hard not a Christmas movie? The question is, is Die Hard a good movie? And no, frankly, it's not that great a movie. Sorry. Controversial, Rob. <laughs> I'm bored of this film. Yeah to the absolute nth degree. And I've just thrown a, thrown a hand grenade into your whole beliefs. <laughs> Die hard. I love it. I love it. Quite, quite happily never see a single frame of that film again. It's, it's, it's just, well, it's it's completely overexposed for what it is. It's, you know, it's a perfectly competent action movie. And yeah, there are more out there. You you want a, 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 a better Christmas set action movie um i present to you the long kiss goodnight um i'm voting station agent it, peter dinklage is, is brilliant in it and for what it, you know it, it's a great little low budget movie with an awful lot more interest to it than die hard so there you go there we go <laughs> controversial choices uh not even not a fan of die hard um Okay, well, it leaves to me then to split the difference here. Um, now I'm not, I'm not as down on Die Hard as Rob is. <laughs> I will say that, um, but I, I do agree to some points. I, I do, I don't think it's the best Die Hard movie 
Um, I think three is better than one. Um, for some reason, Sam rates two. I don't know about that. Um, and we don't talk about anything yeah. after three. So I am not to be the lead. I'm going to go with Citation as well. I think that Die Hard, I like it. I think it's a good film. I think it's a great action movie. Um, I'm with Rob a little bit that I am tired of it this time of year. Um, I cannot tell you how many people have told me. He sent me a little picture on Facebook of the Dave screen grab um, about how they're two times in the world. Uh, I, I, I get that. Like, this is a hill I've sit on a lot and, and tried to die on many times um, as it's stated as a Christmas film. Um, and it's become a thing that I've become weirdly known for. Um, so I, I take that one on the chin a little bit. I brought it myself. Um, and I do think it is a film, a good film that I enjoy. But Station Agent is sublime. It is, it is, I don't know how to explain it. It, it. It's just, it's so good. I think people often know Dinklage from um, his films in his comedy roles and maybe his roles in Game of Thrones. But I don't think Game of Thrones, as much as I enjoy it, scratches the surface of what that man can do on screen. Um, and I think Station Agent is one of the best examples I've seen of his range. The film is small and personal and weirdly lacking in stakes but it is all about it's not saving the world it's not saving a tower in LA it's about saving the soul of a person about saving lives in that kind of respect so yeah I'm going to I think it's film that I saw on VHS University uh, with a couple of friends and it has stuck with me ever since and as I said last week when we, me and Stan three years ago started the show it was top of my list of films we need to talk about this I need to show Sam this um, so yeah, Station Agent is my vote, and Station Agent goes through. Goodbye, Die Hard. Get rid of Die Hard. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So we move on to our penultimate face-off, and this feels—I know this one feels a big hard choice, maybe possibly. Um, so having seen that scream in the first round, we have Do the Right Thing the uh, sort of seminal classic film from Spike Lee, um, going up against the film that saw out my film that I loved and loved and shouted about a lot. Uh, having seen it out Mad Max Fury Road, we have the film that put Quentin Tarantino on the map, Reservoir Dogs. Sam. Oh, even Rob. Rob, where are you going? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this this is a fascinating choice. I mean, these these are the two films that basically put two of our most interesting um, filmmakers on the map. Um, I would say that um, although Reservoir Dogs is a supremely confident piece of filmmaking, it also um, it's also beholden to a lot of other films. It, it, as Tarantino does and does so well, it does crib an awful lot from lots of other um, s- cinematic uh, themes and tropes and what have you. Um, so that up against something that is so straight off the bat, incredibly original, incredibly um, forthright and honest and overtly interestingly political as do the right thing um do the right thing is the more for me is the more interesting of the two films and it 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 does the right thing for me um although again you've 
there's there, there are so many similarities between the two even down to sort of iconic title sequences and things like that um i'm a, this is more of a gut thing really but i'm, I'm gonna go do the right thing just because i it's it, it's just one of those films that i can come back to time and time again and find something different in whereas reservoir dogs is almost all about the repeatability of the lines and you know the the catchphrases and the opening set of dialogue the the the, the opening sort of round table as it were in, in in the restaurant and things like that um now do the right thing for me i think i know i <laughs> I'm I'm still not I'm still not sure on this one. Um I think as as Rob says, they're both of these launched the careers of these people. Um and Wrestle Dogs is a, a blistering bit of nineties indie. It is cribbed from a lot of films, but it's cribbed well. You know, they, they often quoted, you know, artists steal uh, artists borrow great artists steal, something along those lines. Um that it's mm. stolen very well and it, it's put together in a, a format that is memorable and exhilarating and it's just done brilliantly. Do the Right Thing is incendiary. It is heart-wrenching, um, but also sort of empowering in many ways. Um, one I saw when I was a teenager, one I saw this year. Um, so it's hard to judge them because one, one's impact has maybe faded a little bit. You know, the, the, seeing Reservoir Dogs for the first time was was changed a lot of cinema for me, um, and that was, but that was that was a long time ago. Mm. Whereas seeing the right thing I saw this year, and so it still sticks with me. But I saw it a lot more recently. I think for me, it's got to come down to the fact that I think about who do I want going forward. You know, we we talked earlier about the the, the ITV three test mm. um, as hey, and so I'm going to apply to the test here. Is, is the I'm going to apply that the other film is deleted. So whatever I don't vote for here gets deleted. So only one film can survive like, forever. So who, which favorite film I pick here is the one that gets because the end of the one is gone forever. So I'm saving one film. And I think if I'm going to save one film, I'm going to save Do the Right Thing. I think that it has things to say and it has things that we need to hear. I think it has a viewpoint, and I think that Spike Lee is a brilliant director who does not get the love that Quentin Tarantino mm. does. And I think Quentin's a great director, but I don't think he needs me shouting about him. He doesn't need me, you know, hyping him up. He does it himself pretty well. But I think Spike Lee, especially in what is, you know, the three of us here are, we are all, you know, middle class, middle aged white men from, and we're all from Reading. We live, you know, we've all lived in Reading in our life. Like, we are, we are not the market for these movies. And I think maybe, maybe we should be. Um, so I am going to vote for Do the Right Thing. Right, so. Well, it doesn't matter now. Um, but we still oh, care, yeah, Sam. We still care yeah, to yeah, know. <laughs> um, I I think I, w- I was just thinking there that I mean Reservoir Dogs is definitely a brilliant film and like you said okay he he cribs from lots of places but he does it really well and it's also you have to remember that he was in his twenties maybe or thirties how old was Gwen Tarantino when Reservoir Dogs came out I think it yeah, late he was incredibly young and 
a, a prodigious talent for someone who who could steal that well, do do that well, so young. <laughs> but then, is it, is, do the right thing is it's not just a brilliant film. It's a it, it's just an important thing that exists. That that's a strange way of putting it, but it's later. My brain stopped working. Um, like Reservoir. My point is that Reservoir Dogs is is just a great film. But Do the Right Thing is a really important piece of art, and Quentin Tarantino does not make pieces of art. He makes beautiful films, and he makes again. He will often make important pieces of cinema, but Do the Right Thing is an important work of art and like you said it's an important social construct and it's something that we all that everyone in the world needs to be exposed to so i'm going to do the right thing as well another clean sweep though. Three for three, like it. right yeah. then our yeah. final matchup is another bizarre meeting of uh well one film which Beat off competition from Whiplash in the last round, Beats of the Southern Wild, and um, another of Rob's darlings, Lost in Translation, which won through against Home Alone last round. So, um, one of the Robs, let's go Maythorn this time, Beats of the Southern Wild or Lost in Translation. So, yeah, those are these films. I see a weirdly synergy here. I think both these films kind of pull together different sorts, but sort of ethereal imagery and kind of, you know, sort of a slow cinema-esque nature and very unnaturalistic style, whilst one, whilst obviously Beasts in the Wild does dissolve into sort of fantasy near the end. Beasts was a beautiful film that I'd never heard of or seen, I've never seen before. I think it was, it was very sort of out there. It was very, um, sort of evocative and very uh, sort of for a newish director I thought it had some brilliant imagery but I think Lost in Translation I've got to go a personal choice here I think it was a film that spoke to me a lot when I was getting into filmmaking it's a film that continues to speak to me um, having voted kind of the other way um, for the, the more personal less told story in the last round I feel there's some hypocrisy here going for translation but i think the film remains to be beautiful i think that sophia coppola as we covered on our and when we covered her has not topped this film in her, her later work um and i think that it is a beautifully timeless capsule to a a certain period of time a certain period of cinema um and each time i watch it i fall again in love with both characters and city so i think it's got to get down to me a personal choice here and I'm going to go for Lost in Translation. I'm other Rob. Go on then. Oh. You're going to give me the the enviable task of breaking the tie. Well, we'll see with all this. Well, absolutely loved Lost in Translation when it first came out. It, 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 as as Rob said, it's a it's a it's a beautiful piece of work, and um, the the the. The, the sense of questions unanswered at the end, that great bit, mm-hmm. that great mm-hmm. moment where um, Bill Murray whispers something in Scarlett Johansson's ear. I think we're, we're, yeah, there are so many theories about what that could be. Um, it's it, it's a lovely, rosy kind of exploration of what almost feels like a sort of new future 
urban landscape. I guess you're always going to get that when you're in Tokyo anyway. And it's it it it's virtually plotless, and that's kind of half the fun of it as well. Um, so you got that up against the sort of all semi-post-apocalyptic magical realism of beasts of the southern wild. You've got this 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 um child narrator star um who's just incredibly charismatic all the way through it and um, a tricky one this because uh, again it's it, you you're sort of putting me up against a film that i've known and loved for, for many mm-hmm. years up against the film that um i'm enormously fond of but it's it's kind of going it's 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 not quite as as well known. It's, it's again. Do you sort of, as Rob was saying earlier? Do you go for the film that you love, or do you go for the film that you feel should have the attention? And this is a really really tricky one for me. Um, I'm I'm kind of having to go with a gut instinct here because both films have equal merit, kind of in my mind, but I. I I'm I'm going to go with the initial gut feeling that I had when I saw these two up against each other, and I'm I'm, I'm going to plant for Beasts of the Southern Wild. I just, I just think it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking. Um, again, using kind of um, very very sharply put together location filming um, to evoke something more than that location necessarily has in the first place, but. It's, it, 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 it almost feels like a kind of I, I keep coming back to the to the phrase post-apocalyptic because it's obviously set just after Katrina and it's got that, that kind of feel of a, a world being washed away and being replaced with something a little bit wilder and a little bit stranger and I'm always I'll always plump for something like that I think um, yeah I'm going with that I'm going Beast of the Southern Wild sorry Sam oh god <laughs> right <laughs> Now, I I really enjoyed Beasts of the Southern World. I wasn't expecting to. I didn't know anything about it going into it. Um, it felt like a sort of meandering journey for me to find out what this film was about in much the same way that some of the characters make meandering journeys through this post-apocalyptic landscape. Um and Lost in Translation was it's another film about meandering journeys. Um I um, the thing is hmm. I I think <laughs> if I were to rate them both out of ten Neither would be my absolute favourite film and both of them would be excellent and I'd probably put them both at the same mark and I'd probably go for around about seven and a half, eight for both of them. And for that reason, I can't really split them. I I just, from a purely personal point of view, now that I've put objective reasoning aside, um. I like what Lost in Translation has done to Rob. I mean, 
No, no. <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds an odd thing to say, but it, it, to to see that this film that I didn't, I wouldn't wouldn't have picked it as one of one of my oldest friends' really important touchstones in cinema, and I just enjoy the I sort of vicariously enjoy the way that Rob enjoys it. So it's not my absolute favourite film, but I really love to see what it has sort of what has evoked in Rob in the past sort of 15, 16 years it's been out. So I'm gonna go of these two Lost in Translation. I'm oddly touched by that guys. Oh I'm, oh. I'm deeply touched by that. Oh, that's, that's yeah. a- Really good reason to choose a film, I think. Oddly, we've been friends for 20 years. The nice thing they've said to me oh. <laughs> 20 years, it's like the, the only, the it's 26 only years now, which is terrifying. <laughs> oh my god! So that's yeah. it for round two, guys. We've taken our 16 films down to eight, um, and we'll be back in a moment to take those eight down to four. Right then, so we are down to eight in going into our third round. That's the quarterfinal stage. And first up, we have For Your Delectation, Before Sunrise and Dodo's Garden, which are, well, it, it's not the, not the first bizarre matchup we've had tonight. So, um, Mr. Maythorn, where would you be going of these two? Um this the, 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 both these movies I've championed since them coming up against each other, it, it gets hard. Like I feel like round two, like we just done was like there, there was some hard choices there, but it was a lot of fun. But I feel this round's going to get hard. This round's going to get some 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 deeply personal cuts coming around this round, and this is one of them for me. Um, Before Sunrise, I think is beautiful and heartwarming, and as I said last time, it's so universal yet personal and. It opened my eyes to a sort of a genre of movies and a world of movies that I otherwise wouldn't have touched. But then, this then is this beautiful, weird Akira Kurosawa movie. Um, it is this film that inspired me to do what I do or did. Um, it is a movie that I just think is is such an outlier. Um, and this feels desperately like killing a loved one. But I think I'm going to vote for Before Sunrise um, in a shock upset, having championed it for years. I just think that oh. if we're going to apply that ITV3 test from last round, Dennis hmm. Kadan is a brilliant movie, but it can be a really hard watch. Um, it has some, some darkness to it. It has some real darkness to it. Um, and it can sometimes be a bit of an obtuse film. It'll be a bit that's kind of, it's sometimes hard to get into. It can be a bit dense. It rewards people who are willing to dig through that density, but it can be a dense film. Whereas Before Sunrise, I think, is it's, it has, has that levity, but also that kind of heart to it. So I'm sure this is a decision that is going to haunt me and it's going to think about me through all night, but I've got to give you an answer right now. And I'm going Before Sunrise. Sam. So. Oh, Jesus. Um, 
I can't believe I just said jeepers. God, how old am I? Um, of these two, before Sunrise knows, kind of, um, I, I think I'm, I'm just thinking about the ITV3 test. Um, and like you said, I think it would depend on at what point you entered this film because if you entered Dodo's Cut in a, a bit that focused on the um, on the, the main character of the mentally deficient boy, I think there's some beautiful poetry in that and um, the way that Kurosawa sets up these shots are just brilliant and would, would keep me watching. And then there are other times if I'd stumbled into the middle of a scene between the the homeless man and his son in the car i think well this is deeply disturbing and i don't ever want to watch this so i'd switch it off um and before sunrise just all the way through is delightful and i don't know mm. which is the better film but i think on the itv3 test i'd go for before sunrise Sorry, Rob, that means... Uh, that's fine. Um, I have to admit, when we first started this, it was kind of like the first two choices. It's like, oh, right, okay. Um, I, you know, before Sunrise, yay, got that one. Dodo's Caden, yay, got that one. And then to realise they're both up against each other is kind of like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I think on the whole, I'm going to have to concur... With, with with the choices of um, my esteemed colleagues here. Um, Dodes Kaden is an extraordinary piece of work. It's something of an outlier for Kurosawa. Um, and but as you as you say, it can be a bit of a hard watch. Whereas before sunrise is it it's it's an exploration of joy and it's an exploration of love. Um, beautifully shot beautifully acted beautifully written all the way through um it's one of the films that me and my wife claire still watch on a regular basis together mm. as well so I, I i think if i was to choose dodesca then over before sunrise i'm pretty certain claire would have something to say about <laughs> that so um <clears throat> <laughs> Obviously, you know the choice has already been made, but I'm I'm very glad that it's it's this one. So yeah, yay, happy, I'm happy. Three nil is always a, a resounding score to take. Um, <laughs> we move on to our next matchup, um, which is once again we have this recurring theme of movies start with the uh, going up against each other. So having seen out um, Back to the Future, having seen out Big Hero Six, we've got The Prestige, and having seen out The Matrix. The Blues Brothers, we now have The Apartment. So we have The Prestige, the movie that gave this show its name, and The Apartment, the Billy Wilder classic. Sam. Oh, oh Rob, we're going to Rob. Mm. Um, fair enough. I, uh, okay, the last one was, incre- was an incredibly difficult, difficult choice. I think this one is incredibly simple. Um, the Prestige is is a fine piece of work it's got a lot to 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 benefit a watch of it it's a great cast um it's got some amazing scenes the 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 moment in the electrical field is fantastic um the central conceit um the magic that kind of is but isn't magic is great but you know i'm sorry it's not it's not the apartment as it it sounds like the, the the most trite argument in the world um, 
it's I think it's really difficult to put any film up against the apartment and say this is better than that film because there are very few films that mm. that have the the kind of perfect ten that this movie's got. It's got the best script in the world. It's got the best cast in the world. It's it just looks great. It's everything about it is just it's just the perfect package. Um I would not be surprised to see this film actually take the whole the whole competition. Um it's, it's got to be the apartment for me. I would I mean not not to render render the other Rob redundant or anything, but I would just step in and say I mean it it's not really a choice. Although as you said, prestige, it's it's a little bit of um it's a little bit of sentiment about it, it the name of it and the name of this podcast. But I'm just I was just thinking in terms of food, like the prestige is is good, but you compare it to like a really good pizza you'd have for a takeaway and you think, Yeah, I really enjoyed that and I'd do that again and that was that's really nice. But at the end of the day you're just talking about Domino's pizza and then the apartment comes on and that's having pizza on one of the back streets of St Mark's Square in Venice and you think, no, that's proper pizza. So it just the apartment is head and shoulders above the prestige for me. Well, now I'm just hungry. Um, <laughs> this is an odd one because I have voted against both of these films in every matchup they've come up so far. Um, so it, it's rare this late in the game. Um, but I have voted against both of them. Um, that being said, I'm just going to agree with all you guys. I think that the prestige, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent on Nolan, um, but this is best. And it, 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 it's, a, it's a fine film. It's a fine film. The apartment, as you say, is is a head and shoulders above it. It, it is a, a classic for all the reasons that everyone has said. So I'm not going to labour me further. So I'm going to vote for the apartment. And we have our second second clean sweep of, of the round. Um, and, and the apartment oh, moves on around. Wow, this is all starting to look very classy, I have to say, gentlemen. Oh, no, no, no. it's all going to fall apart. Oh, sure. nice. Our third quarterfinal sees... Social network up against the station agent. Um, and I'm going to throw my hat in the ring first off and say that, I mean, this this isn't particularly difficult for me because although station agent was against Die Hard last round and I was a proponent of that um, and I voted against it the first round as well, <laughs> It, I'm I'm glad Station Agent is still there because I I like the film and I'm pleased to see that it's got this far, and I don't think Social Network has enough substance to make. I mean, it's it's a good quarterfinal film, but I think it's gone as far as it can go, and I think that yes, Jesse Eisenberg is a is a is a likable screen presence, even if Mark Zuckerberg is not a likable personality. Um, and yes, there's a good soundtrack to it, but it it's just, yeah, it's not as good a film as Station Agent. So I'm going to go for that. So, Mr. Wikings, where would you go? Um, 
again, it's another one of those choices that isn't really a choice, isn't it? It's um, it's it's, it's difficult to kind of want to, to justify why you're going to make one choice against another, but it's it's, it's just blatantly obvious to my to my eyes anyway. Is <laughs> the stage agent is this beautiful, charming, funny, clever movie with um with a, a fantastic central performance um up against this sort of brilliantly executed but cold dark ultimately depressing piece of work that's 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 just about a, a bunch of really not very nice people um <laughs> Stop me if, if you think I'm going over, over the top here. <laughs> no, 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 no. 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 I mean, yeah, Social Network it does. It's it's not a, a terrible movie by any means, but it's it's it, yeah, it's not a biopic that I'd, I'd want to pick as, as as a particularly brilliant biopic. It's not. It's it's not. It's nowhere near in my top five Fincher movies. Um, it's just not that great a pick as, as, as Sam was saying, you know, it, 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 it's, it, I, I, I'm surprised it's got as far as it has done, to be honest with you. Um, station agent is always going to be, is always going to be the one that goes forward from here. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a worthy semi-finalist. I think it's, I think it's an interesting matchup because on the surface, I agree Nothing you're saying, everybody, all of you are saying, but I think there's an interesting thing. But these films kind of, I feel, split along a clear line. One is a technical and sort of precise masterpiece um, in the way that Fincher can be. He's a very precise director, um, and everything's framed tightly and perfectly. And he's very driven by having sort of this perfection um, to his shots and his, his scenes. And that's evident in this movie. I think that the, the, nothing in this movie is accidental. Nothing in the movie is by chance. It is well thought through. It is well curated as a movie. And it has a technical prowess to it. And on the other end, you've got mm. Stage Agent, which probably doesn't it isn't uh, in all our talk of this movie no one's talked about the framing or the colors or the technical wizardry put together because it isn't there it isn't about that it is about this heart of this movie and the charm of this movie and the the affectionateness you have for this character and and the people around him really all these people the three main sort of characters in it they're all damaged they're all damaged in their own way and they're all definitely needing and seeking something and it's all about that kind of that side of it, and they, they, almost these two films, whilst almost you guys have kind of clearly made your sort of lines in the sand, I think there's a clear balance to be had between the movies here. But despite being the movie technical pusher on this movie, I'm often often pushing films that look and feel amazing over ones that maybe have a great story. I've got to go so down. I think this is there was no chance of getting it out of the way. I like this network. I like it a lot. It was one of my best films of that year. It came out. But Station Agent is Station Agent. It is, it is, it is what it is, and that is a film that's going to beat out such a network any day of the week. So, our third clean sweep of round of round three. Um, going wow. into the last round, I don't know if we'll keep it. I just don't know. Um, but we've having seen out Scream, Reservoir Dogs. We now have Do the Right Thing up against Lost Isolation, which saw out Beasts of the Wild and Home Alone. So, Rob. Where are you going here? Mm. Tough one. Um, 
after after two very easy choices, we're back with the tricky one for the for the last call. Um, I don't know. Um, I do really love Lost in Translation, and I do really admire Do the Right Thing. So it's it's that's a tricky one, really. Um, I think again we've we've sort of had this conversation all the way through about do we want to do the the sort of heart thing or do we want to do the whole sort of push push a film forward that maybe shouldn't have that that may, maybe deserves a bit more attention and we're now at the point with this particular choice where they're both really great and really well celebrated mm-hmm. movies so uh, it's yeah this is this is a tricky one really because. Um, we've got a thing where I voted for one and voted against another one. And in with this particular matchup, I think I'm going to have to go. I think I'm going to have to go with my heart. Really. I'm, I'm going to have to go with lost in translation just because I did honestly find it just such a fantastically moving and uh, again, heartwarming and positive piece of work. That's not afraid to leave questions in its place. Um, but that th- this is a really, really tough one, and I'm I'm kind of still humming and harring about it because do the right thing is such an amazing, important, powerful, um, brilliantly shot piece of work with some real anger to it, which obviously Lost in Translation doesn't have. You know, it doesn't have a sense of anger to it at all. It's, it's more of <laughs> It's it's an exploration of a of a particular moment and a and a place. Um, I suppose both both films are kind of about location mm. as well, which which makes the whole choice that bit more tricky. You know, you've got you've got um, uh, is it Queens or Brooklyn? Um, uh, do the right thing is saying. I think it's Brooklyn, isn't it? But, uh, versus mm. um, versus Tokyo. <sighs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with my first first choice here. I'm going to go Lost in Translation, I think, with with the caveat that I'm kind of not sure, but you have to make a choice, and that's going to be my one. Well, I'm going to go and, and make things difficult for Rob because I'm leaning the other way. I think I, I talked about the two films in, in the last film, and Lost in Translation was up against Beasts and... They were both sort of, to me, middling to very good films and I made the decision based on something else. Um, in this case, I feel like Lost in Translation is never going to be more than 8 out of 10 for me and Do the Right Thing just blew me away and I'd give it very close to 10 out of 10. And I have spent a lot of my time writing and thinking and teaching about the frankly unfair way people view different races and um it's, it's something that's very close to my heart bizarrely for someone with such a as as rob has talked about it middle class and white background you're right um but I would say that Do the Right Things struck me as a really 
important piece of work, not just an important film, but as I said in the previous round, an important sort of cultural artifact. Uh, so of these two, I would plump for do the right thing. It's all on me. It's all on me. So it's our first split of, of round three. And it's the last one. It's on me in the last. Um, yeah, I think I'd echo everything you've said. I think do the right thing is was an incendiary bit of filmmaking that feels as relevant today as it would have when it was made. You know, I think we, we are living in the days of, you know, in ironic um um, quotation marks post racial America. Um, we are post Obama. We are deep in the Trump presidency. We are in the Black Lives Matter movement. We are in term looking at the problems going on in America. And this film feels like it come out tomorrow and still feel like it was about modern times. And I think that's something that is amazing in cinema. The film because it can perfectly capture moment in time, but also capture an era it can be as relevant now as it ever was i think spike lee is great in it and directing it i think it's a film that you want to go back and revisit time and time again and get different things from it and see different stories going on and you know some of its central questions you can flip flop on either either way every time you like it um you can you can go different ways depending on what, how you view that time and then the same can be said for translation i think lost in translation as rob says is a film that doesn't offer any answers much as do the right thing doesn't you know that they, they, they both neither of them kind of give you clear cut answers clear resolution um to what happened there are no good guys and bad guys in these movies um there are just people in a situation and their reactions and as rob says they're about a time and a place um but they both maintain an element of universality and a bit of timelessness to them but I think if I've got to be pushed, and that is the point of this, is that we are being pushed, I am going to come down on the side of Lost Translation. I am going to go back to the fact this film made me feel things rather than make me think things. And that sounds like a, a strange thing to kind of, to not, I'm not against thinking things, but I think that translation evokes something in me, it invokes a part of my personality that doesn't get invoked a lot. Um, and it invokes a longing and a reminiscence of a time it maybe never was. And it invokes in me a feeling. And that's something I think is worth celebrating. I think I love this movie. I think it's beautiful. I think it's achingly beautiful in the way it captures both its stars, but also um, Tokyo. And as someone who has traveled for a living um, many times in my life, it captures something about that disconnection, about being a person lost in translation you are in a country in which you don't understand the language or the customs and there's no one to help you and finding finding that ship in the storm finding that 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 that, that port in the storm um is something that i think it captures very well so i'm going to i'm going to go with that i'm going to go with translation um and unfortunately sam that is goodbye to do the right thing uh, okay that's, that's, that's a, that is a that's a tough one. Actually. I don't. I mean, I think looking looking at having gone through this, I think maybe matches two and three weren't that hard, but I would say one one and four were some of the hardest made so far. Um, and I'm mm. not looking forward to uh, our semi final round next time. So thank you to Rob for coming and being our guest this week. Um, we will put all his links to all his work and all his stuff down in the show notes. Please give him some love. He is regularly great and incisive on Twitter. So he's, he's a strong recommended follow if you're on Twitter. 
we'll we'll be back next week with another guest host yet to be decided and we'll be picking up with our semi-finals in which we are pitching before sunrise against the apartment and we are pitching station agent against lots of translation and i'm sure those decisions will not be easy in any way shape or form I, I I do not envy you those choices whatsoever, guys. Best of luck with your semi-finals, I have to say. Um, and we will see all of you guys back here next week. Bye. Thanks for having me. See you guys.